Welcome to the Slow Twitch podcast. Uh, as always, I am joined with Ryan Heisler today. My name is Eric Wynn. Um, Ryan, I think we need to talk a little bit about what the podcast is. I, I don't know because we're so new, right? Or and we what it's not we're just shooting by the hip. Yeah, that yeah. that too. So, right. You know, ultimately, what we're first of all, why why do we have to do this? Do what? This intro? Why do we have? Yes. Why do um, we have to redefine what this is? So I think we got a lot of feedback from our conversation <laughs> with Andrew Messick. Um, Feedback's a, a good way to put it. And, you know, some of it constructive and some of it a lot of noise, right? Um, and the thing that I think helps kind of level set everybody on this front is we're here to have a conversation. Um, when we have a guest on, uh, we're not doing interviews. Like we're having a pure talk with this person and we're going back and forth and we want, like we want this to essentially just be as if you were sitting in and, you know, maybe we're having a beverage or three afterwards, you know, like, this isn't, it's less of a confrontational environment. We're not going to be, you know. You mean we're not going to yell at people no, on our podcast? The only time we might yell at somebody is in jest, right? Because like, there, I'm sure there's going to be opportunities where I'm going to yell at you on this, right? <laughs> but Oh, yeah. But that's because... Um, of our relationship when we're bringing somebody else into that, you know, it's essentially it's triathlon's cocktail hour, I guess is the best way to, to view it. Right. We're all going to talk, shoot the shit, like let's go. Um, and I think there was an expectation that we were going to be really rigid, formal or critical, or even taking it to almost, like a punditry level of engagement. And that's just not who the two of us are. And I don't think that's who we want to be um, going forward. Yeah. Well, I, you know, first of all, if, if there's somebody that I genuinely dislike, they're probably not going to be on the podcast because I don't want to spend an hour with that individual. Right. Um, and, and I think there was a lot of people out there that, well, I know that there's a lot of people that genuinely hate our last guest, Andrew Messick's. And that hatred was somehow magically supposed to be transferred to us for the 45 minutes that we were trying to allow him to speak what he wanted to talk about when it came to what happened. And we have an opportunity to, you know, ask him questions that we felt that were viable based on the information that we have seen. And we, we probably didn't ask all the questions that we could have, but we also had 45 fucking minutes to prep for the podcast. So, and we had just finished an hour and a half long conversation with Ben Canute, which we covered 90% of the, the topics. Yeah. So, so I, I think there's a couple of things that tie out of that, right? Um, one being, and thank you to everybody who has 
gone ahead and listened to both episodes because I think that does a really good job of capturing all of our feelings in terms of the incident in Hamburg and the way that we would kind of approach a lot of changes going forward. But also, um, I think, you know, we were always going to be held to a different standard because it was the first time that Andrew was saying anything about the particular incident. And so, um, you know, I, I think that regardless of how that conversation went, there was going to be some degree of vitriol associated with it because we were first, right? Yeah. And and some of it's, you know, I, I don't I don't blame that. Like people were pissed. You know, I mean I, I was pissed with some of the things that, that were handled and, and I and I voiced those things, right? Like the fact that the broadcast went on the way that it did. But at the same time, like it's the first time this has ever happened in in there. So, you know, it's 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 a forced lessons learned. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I think there were fair criticisms of some of the stuff that we had in terms of the podcast, right? Like there were questions that I, you know, I wish I had asked or I had helped, you know, shape the way that that conversation developed a little bit more. But, you know, that again is a lesson learned for us in terms of how we go forward. <laughs> what, what, once again, welcome to the fifth episode of the Slow Twitch podcast. <laughs> so backing up just a little bit, right? You know, I, I think part of where the confusion or the expectation setting on the podcast itself comes from, people don't know that you and I have been doing this like in the media business for a combined, what, 25, 30 years, right? Like not necessarily just for slow twitch, but we've, we've been around the block a few times. Um, and so, you know, we have good instincts when it comes to things that we want to be doing. Um, and this as a conversation point, um, like that's why we have a podcast. Sure. Yeah. That's the whole point. The whole point is to have longer conversations with interesting people around interesting topics so that we can dive a little bit deeper and instead of having just a long, super, super, super long article that's yeah. written on, you know, the homepage. So, and so, uh, this week, uh, that super long, super interesting conversation will just be Eric and I, <laughs> so <laughs> no guests this Sorry, week. Monty. Sorry, Monty. Sorry, Monty. Um, <laughs> But, you know, let's get into it. Let's talk about sort of what's happened and what's coming up sort of with Slow Twitch. So, yeah, let's we'll jump into the, the weekend wrap up. Um, we we had Boulder 70.3, which was kind of the big race. It was the live broadcast race. Mm -hmm. um, why don't you talk a little bit about, since you were covering the race and I actually missed, unfortunately, I missed the, the announcement um, of some of the moto changes that, that have been implemented um, based on, you know, feedback and things that have happened the week prior. Yeah, so um, first, credit to Outside Watch, because the majority of the time, the broadcast actually worked. A-plus, good job on that front. They do seem like they're fixing their 
desktop version of the, the issues. Yeah, I mean, definitely had some freeze outs and everything. That's why I gave the final grade of B minus. And I know Matt Lieto was joking that he's going to have to check our article uh, each and every time to see what grade the outside watch broadcast received. Um, but that being said, the broadcast was let off um, during the pre-race stuff with uh, Andrew coming on and talking about access to the quote-unquote pro Peloton, for lack of a better term, um, is going to be restricted right going forward. And so you shouldn't ever see the concentration of motos that you did in Hamburg happen again. Um, which is something, you know, like we we brought that up with both Ben and Andrew last week as a step in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. We'll see how the coverage is and whether or not people complain about that. You know, it, it, the majority of at least of for our forum um, all seemed to be relatively happy with the actual coverage itself that was provided on the broadcast. So I think, you know at least at this particular course, for whatever reason, like that worked out. And I think some of that ties into how the race dynamics played out. The swim was relatively tight. Sam Long then absolutely blitzed everybody um, on the bike. And, you know, not as big as Taylor Nib. No, Taylor, I was females. about to bring that in up with, you know, Taylor Nib kind of just absolutely rocketing away from everybody. Like, I think she stopped leading the race at like mile one and a half the bike. Yeah. <laughs> like last yeah. time she wasn't in the lead. It was just yeah. uh, sheer absolute dominance. Um, but, you know, from a broadcast perspective, right? Like we didn't lose anything by... Um, by seeing kind of a reduction in moto coverage. Now, um, like the way that the race itself kind of played out and, you know, there's additional safety changes, right? Like that are part of this review process that Ironman's kind of talked about. And I, I think one of them is going to have to be like, do we have broadcasts on courses that like, particularly 70.3 courses that have two loops just because, you know, there, there were some incidences where you had pros passing double and triple wide age groupers. And where does your moto go? And like questions around like, what is the right thing for the, for the athlete to do in that scenario? And I, I think that has to be part of something that, gets looked at going forward. I, I agree. Um, it, it's hard because you you go back to the conversation that we had with Ben Canute. And, and I don't want to always go back to other episodes, you know, but the reality of it is, is a lot of the permitting process requires these two loop courses and these three loop courses with like Ironman Arizona. And um, we're going to see what, they choose to do based on this. And that is, you know, the decisions may be made, you know, because obviously safety is number one priority. Uh, and that's, that always needs to be the case. Um, and if it's not, we've got a bigger problem that we definitely need to start poking at uh, when it comes to that. Uh, now, with that said, um, you know, some of these events, 
you know, they sign up for the coverage. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if you're to go to the city of, you know, Tempe and say, Hey, we're not going to do a live broadcast on this anymore because it's not safe. The city of Tempe may have the right to say, well, then we're not going to put a race on anymore. Um, and all of us as a community are going to need to stand behind that and, um, support those decisions. Um, you know, it, assuming that we want Ironman to exist and to continue to put races on. And I mean, at least in North America, right? Like uh, Ironman is the big game in town. We, we yeah, can't whether you like it or not. That. Like, yeah. um, but I think what's becoming more and more clear, one of the questions that we've had and collectively the community has had is, you know, when given the choice between is Ironman a broadcast company that puts on races or is it a race production company interested in athlete safety and everything? And it just so happens to have broadcasts at some of their events. It's becoming more and more clear. It's the latter, right? They are a race production company interested in athlete safety. They happen to have broadcasts at some of their events, right? And so with that decision-making in mind, I think as they look at say what the 2024 outside watch, if, assuming that's the platform, you know, wherever they're going to be doing live coverage, I think the way that a course is laid out has to be part of the overall decision-making process. And maybe that's how you pull together a season where like certain prize purses are enhanced and everything else. So that way you tie together this narrative of like, we want to be able to showcase our professional athletes because they are critical to the sport. But we also want to make sure that we're not impacting the overall athlete experience for everyone else in order to provide the broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a, a little bit about the race and how it, it unfolded. So, you know, this was one of those instances where, um, at least in the men's field, the swim didn't matter, right? <laughs> like Everyone pretty much came out within a two and a half minute window of whoever was going to impact the race. Um, it also happened to be a wetsuit legal swim, which may or may not have helped certain members of the, uh, the professional field. But, you know, um, Sam and Lionel Sanders came out together, um, which, you know, is normally a good thing. And then Sam just dropped everybody, which, you know, it, it used to be, you know, you look back in a year and a half, two years, like Sam and Lionel would ride together through a field and then go on to the run. And now it's just Sam is so head and shoulders above the majority of male professionals when it comes to biking. And then he's like, he still had one of the fastest runs of the day. Like it, it's not, he's not an Andrew Starkowitz where he's going to hope to hold on on the run. Like This is, <laughs> he is going to, if heaven help you, if you wind up, in a running race with Sam right now. Yeah. Which, you know, the only question I would ask is, is this somebody who's peaking a little early for what he has 
planned for the year, but you know, um, clearly like whatever he's doing is working. And so who am I to question that? I've learned my lesson questioning pros on their schedules and everything else. (laughs) That's right, man. It's a podcast. Um, but, you know, looking back through the field, I mean, Lionel had another really solid race. Like, I, I don't think you can take anything away from that. Um, and, you know, I called it out in the article, but do not get into a sprint finish with Lionel Sanders because you're going to lose. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and, and kudos to Chris Leiferman. I mean, he had a phenomenal yep. race back He's he's been out most of this. I think this was his first race back in the season of 2023, um, and he just kind of proved that he's he he took his time with his recovery and getting back into racing, and um, it showed that he was he was ready to go on all cylinders um, because he he had a great race. I didn't expect him to be in the top three. I I was I was hoping he would crack the top five because I. I really enjoy him as a human being. He's a super cool dude. Um, and he's, he's great for the sport, but I didn't expect him to be a top three. And I think what's particularly um, interesting about uh, both of their races is they essentially play like Sanders and Leiferman played cat and mouse pretty much the entire run. Um, you know, one would get away, come back, you know, um, that's the kind of excitement that, you know, I, I think gets highlighted at the 70.3 distance. You know, we've been in, we've been very lucky this year in terms of late race heroics, you know, going even like we had a very rare, you know, final set of passes at Ironman Texas really late in the day. I mean, usually you get to the end of these events and, you know, the result has been written in stone for a while um yeah which the women's race was right (laughs) to be very clear you know the women's race was over about 40 minutes in for first place yes yes yeah yeah second third fourth it was a it was a battle all day um it was it was close finish with those girls um you know uh and you know kudos to holly lawrence for just (laughs) admitting that she was in good shape, but no way was she ever even going to touch, you know, Taylor, Taylor Nim on that, on that particular course. And to be frank, I don't know outside of potentially Paula Finley right now. Like, I don't know who has the ability to, to even do that. If Taylor's on, I mean, Taylor, Taylor's becoming the Gwen Jorgensen when she dominated, you know, the Olympic scene. Yeah. I mean, with Nib, right. Like I would put Finlay, I'd put, Daniela Reef, assuming she's healthy, and I put mm-hmm. Lucy Charles Barclay. I, those are your Jeannie. Yeah. You don't think Jeannie? No, no, Not when she's on. No, really, I would put her just below that. Okay, right. right. In terms of competing for the win at mm-hmm. seventy point three Worlds. Okay. Um, okay. And you know uh, what'll be interesting, and this is something that you know as we start doing more research of future races, right? Like being able to understand what the, what the world championships courses are going to really look like in Finland. Um, and how the race dynamics will probably play out. 
because um, the one thing, and we'll talk about uh, Taylor's kind of semi pivot with TT racing uh, upcoming, but uh, you know, if that bike course happens to be more technical than anything else, right. You start moving some people around in terms of where you might expect them to wind up. But I mean, that's probably your, if you were to take your top five, you could put those five names in a hat and draw them out 10 times. And one of those orders is probably right. Yeah. Well, you know, Paula's doing the same strategy. You know, she's going to race the Canadian TT championships again, you know, that she, she did last year and, and she, I think she, she set a new course record over there last year and she's going back to set up a new course record. It was kind of raining last year. And, um, you know, Paula is, um, she's had to do a lot of bike training to, to get comfortable on a bike. Um, I remember her explaining to me, um, you know, her, her fear of, of time trial position, um, because the first time she'd ever been, um, in the TT bar, she was racing and, uh, it was really, really raining. She hit a bump and, and she just almost crashed out because the, the bars were, you know, down, you know, back in the yeah. day when they used to have the bars down, cause they thought that was faster and her hands just slipped. And so ever since then, she's never really felt super comfortable in a TT position. And so, you know, over the last couple of years, um, primarily since she signed with specialized um, that's been a big focus point for her is to make sure that she's a comfortable and B, you know, when she moved to bend with Eric um, she's, she's done a lot of gravel bike riding so that she could feel a little bit more comfortable in corners and turns. And um, so, you know, these, these ladies that are going out and, and specializing in, you know, these, these TT, um, events and really learning how to cycle um they're they're getting out of the swim and it's like see ya we're out of here and then they can still run so i mean it's amazing like you mentioned paula's development with tt riding right so taylor dib signed with trek segafredo to um she's going to be racing some tt events um she was asked about more road racing and kind of gave a relatively ambiguous answer um, on that front. (laughs) No no interest. (laughs) But, um, you know, Taylor has readily admitted, like, she is still a novice when it comes to a TT bike. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first 70.3 World Championship, she was on a freaking road bike with, like, 12 gels, like, like, taped to the top tube. I mean, I, I I don't hate gels taped to a top tube ever. <laughs> that was just normal when I started. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but what I find really kind of interesting is she's going to be going really in depth on what is her perceived weakness uh, in triathlon. But it's also she has she clearly has opportunity on the bike period end of sentence. Like she's so, um, she's just so fast. Yeah. And so the only thing that, you know, starts 
getting interesting is how does that shape a season for somebody overall? Well, I mean, a good example of this would be, would be Cam, you know, and how he chooses to shape his season. And I think what, what Taylor has going for that's a little bit different than Cam is Taylor is a triathlete, very specific triathlete. You know, all of her sponsors are around triathlon and, and she entered into those sponsorship agreements before this opportunity came around where Cam is a sponsored professional cyclist that happens to just come over and kick the shit out of most people in, in triathlon. Um, and, you know, kudos for him for, for doing it. But when you see Cam come over to race triathlon, um, you know, he's, he's got his team cycling sponsors on him. Um, where Taylor, you know, I would imagine in, in talking to some of her sponsors, particularly Waterfall Bank, just this morning, um, you know, she had to have those conversations with them. And, and luckily, you know, Taylor's got a group of sponsors that at the end of the day, really are just sponsoring her because they believe in her as a, as a human being. They, I don't necessarily know if they want a huge return on their quote unquote investment. Um, you know, and that's kind of, you know, Ben's point at waterfall is he wants to truly support these, these athletes. And he wants to make sure that these particular athletes can accomplish their dreams and their goals in the sport and whatever he can do to help them achieve that he's willing to do. So, um, you know, because when she goes over to, to do the TT stuff, like she's a full on cycled sponsored athlete from that team. So maybe um, Ben can pick up the, uh, paying off the pros one oh one through two hundred that got dropped off the PTO this past year. I yeah, that's what I, <laughs> I'm not gonna say that's a waste of money, but yeah. uh, <laughs> it was available. Um yeah, yeah it is. But so. just overall, right, Boulder seventy point three, really interesting race and ungodly fast times. You know, it's yeah. just three thirty three. I think is what Sam. Sam. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, you know, like a four. I think it was four oh seven. Didn't put you on the women's podium. Like it. Yeah. that's just. Mm-hmm. And when you and I started in this business, like four ten was a good men's winning time for seventy point three. Just the bar has continued. To I don't move. know if it was ever that slow. It was. Like, it was. No, yeah. come on. It was it was high threes, man. No, like, no. That, three, it was like yes. 2013, 2014 when we started seeing threes all the Back time. in the day when courses were real courses instead of these <laughs> fast two loops. <laughs> and two, two loops uh, is kind of insane yeah. for 70.3. All right, we're digressing. We're digressing. We got to stay on target here. What do we What do we got coming up this week on on the site? So um, we are lucky enough that um, Matt Fitzgerald is going to be doing some writing for us, uh, and so the first article from him talking about different data fields to load into your watch or your Engo sunglasses. Um, for specific training zones um, mm. that will either already publish or be publishing uh, when this podcast airs. And then um, 
we have a couple of other reviews that should be coming up. Ryan Rich has uh, an initial review of uh, some stuff from Wahoo. Wahoo. Uh, just put yeah. up uh, in a really kind of in-depth look at Tifosi and their prescription sunglass program, which is of particular interest to me because uh, my Smiths are starting to uh, burn themselves out after a few years of heavy use. So good stuff. Yeah. We've also got some stuff from Cadix that's coming up here pretty soon. We're finishing those reviews up in the shop. We've got the four spoke arrow uh, disc wheels and also the rear disc. Um, what I mean by disc wheels, I mean disc brakes. Uh, so that will be coming out uh, pretty soon. Probably next week is when those will be will be hitting the site. Um, Megan Foley, who took, oh, let's not forget about that. She took second in Alcatraz really yes yes yeah she kind of had a break through with her results from a professional athlete standpoint That's awesome. so yeah had a really great time and uh was super happy to see her put it together you know because she came from short course racing and she she wasn't quite fast enough to you know get on the teams with super league but she was like right there on the cups and if she would have continued there i i would imagine she would have you know, gone, gone the distance with that, but she chose to kind of go towards long course and she's, she's struggled for, you know, the last couple of years putting that together. Um, and so things are starting to come around for her and yeah, she went to Alcatraz and took second and she was pretty, pretty stoked about that. So she's got a write up of, of Alcatraz and just her experience there. And so that's coming up on, on the site. And then next week, uh, I was about to say next week you're traveling. Ah, yes, I am going to uh, Germany. So I've got to, uh, I'm going to be flying in Frankfurt and then driving down. Okay, so is it, because the American way to pronounce it is Roth, but is it, how do you pronounce it? I'm, I'm going to learn as soon as I get there. Is it Roth? Roth? I think you have that flipped. Like the Did Americans say it? Roth. Roth. And Roth. It's Roth. 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 Yeah, Roth. Okay, yeah. So no disrespect to Roth, but I'm going to figure out how to pronounce it properly and i think you yeah. just got it okay all that right one. We're, we're getting there yeah so um and that's going to be a lot of fun we are going to be spending quite a bit of time with uh pros over there um primarily talking about their bikes because that's what the slow twitch audience really likes i mean i was going to say like this is a trip that's been a couple years in the making to get us yes. over there and yeah. doing some interesting stuff. And yes, I mean, who does not love bike porn? I mean, yes, come on. Yes. So we are going to be covering the expo there just to kind of show everybody how big that expo is. We're going to be uh, having a lot of really cool uh, special guests from a professional standpoint going over their bikes. And then Felix is going to be on the podcast next week as well. Um, and then I actually may, I just discovered when Eurobike is. And so it's about a two hour drive away from where I'm at. I'm going to have a car. And so I might jump up there next Wednesday to go check out Eurobike uh, to see um, what that's all about. So I'm pretty excited about that. I was going to say like out, outside of Sea Otter, right? I mean, here stateside with the there's no interbike there's not as much um from that big expo 
collect industry collective kind of thing. So being able to shoot over to Eurobike, I think that's a really unique opportunity to see what's going on, especially with some brands that, you know, don't always get the visibility that you might expect here in the States. Yeah, no, for sure. And then, and then we're going to be, uh, we will probably talk about this a little bit more on next week's broadcast, but we will be, um, embedding the live broadcast of the race on our home site or homepage. So that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's new for us, right? This is, uh, something that we definitely have not done before. So fingers crossed it will be as seamless as humanly possible and you know if not i'll have to give myself an f for (laughs) technical difficulties all right well the the podcast this week is pretty short um there's not a whole lot going on this this weekend to really talk about um but i am excited about next week and and getting over into to germany and stuff so that's we have a lot of stuff coming up. We're in that weird lull where, you know, some stuff is happening, but, you know, the big storm is coming and we've we've got a lot of preparation that we're going to have going on on site. And then, you know, who knows, we're going to have like a two and a half hour episode next week. I, I bet you we have at least an hour and a half with Felix. There's a lot of things that we're going to talk about, which that'll be really cool. Um, and a lot of stuff to showcase on on the homepage itself. So uh, thanks for joining us today on the Slow Twitch uh, podcast where we um, have an opportunity to be a little bit um, less journalistic and more of a creative space where we get to hang out and talk about things we like to talk about, talk about things that are in sport and occasionally bring on some guests that we find extremely interesting and, and they've got cool stories to talk about and tell. So Thanks, Eric. Everybody have a good day.